Our first lesson on this Christmas Eve night comes to us from the ninth chapter of the prophet Isaiah, verses 2 through 7, the promise of a Savior. Let us listen for the good news of God's gracious word for us this night. The people who walked in darkness have been a great light, those who lived in a land of deep darkness. On them, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As people exult when dividing plunder for the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as one the day of shoulders, or the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continuously, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our second reading comes from us from the second chapter of Luke's Gospel, verses 1 through 7. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, from the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver a child. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him in the inn. Our third reading continues with the birth narrative from the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verses 8 through 20. The angels appear to the shepherds. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom the Lord favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, 
the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. The fourth lesson this night comes to us from the second chapter of Gospel of Matthew, verses 1 through 11, the visit of the wise men. In the time of Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who was born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the peoples, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet Micah, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall come from, you shall come a ruler who is to be a shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, And they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Will all who are able please stand as we read together from from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, verses 1 through 14. The gift of the Incarnation. This is a participatory reading, so I invite you all to read with me on the bolded sections. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as of a parent's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So eight years ago, I was the associate pastor at Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights. On Christmas Eve, we had four services. And after one of those services, I had the amazing opportunity to marry Joseph and Mary. Literally, I married Joseph and Mary. It was Christmas Eve, and we had just finished our 4 o'clock family worship service, which was chaos. Children everywhere. It was an impromptu pageant. So I was tuckered out. And as everyone was leaving and we were exchanging our goodbyes, I was picking up angel wings and halos and shepherd's crooks and everything and gathering them together so that we were ready for the 7 o'clock worship service. And I noticed this couple in our chapel hanging out, looking around, which was fine. It's a beautiful space filled with amazing art. But I kind of noticed that this woman looked incredibly pregnant. I mean incredibly, incredibly pregnant. Now, I'm a smart enough man to know that you never ask a woman if she's pregnant, ever, even if she looks incredibly pregnant. So I just observed, paid attention, and I noticed that the man with her was just kind of looking at her nervously. Like I said, I thought they were just there looking around our chapel, which is a beautiful space with amazing lights and amazing art but I didn't remember seeing them in the family worship service, which I thought was a little strange. It's fine. You know, I wanted them to feel at home, but that's where we stored all of the supplies, so I was kind of like pushing everything in there so it looked clean for the next service. And I introduced myself. They were so apologetic. They felt bad being there, worried that I was going to kick them out or ask them to leave. And then they were shocked when they discovered that quite the opposite was true. They were shocked that I was delighted to have this young couple in the church exploring the space and just being together. Shocked that they would just be allowed to be and to catch their breath on a cold 
Christmas Eve night. I learned that they were, in fact, Mary and John, a couple who were on their way to John's family's house for Christmas Eve worship and dinner. Apparently, John's family were not particularly supportive of their relationship or this baby that was on the way because they were not married and because she had purple hair and tattoos and John's family just could not stand her. They did not want to go to John's parents' house. They did not want to go to John's parents' church because they never felt welcome there either. And they just knew that the whole church was going to be gossiping about them all night long. They had stopped at Fairmount because they saw the lights on, and she had friends, Mary had friends who had grown up at Fairmount, and she remembered it being a peaceful place, and so she wanted to come and center herself before she had to go deal with the drama of John's parents' and their family. They wanted a place to feel close to God, to feel welcome, so that they could potentially avoid just a little bit of misery that they were expecting to experience that night. I heard their story and I said, oh, please, have a seat, sit down, take a load off. It was our practice when I was there to gather with our church staff and the deacons who were helping to put worship together in between services because they were so close for chilly dinner, and so we invited them to stay. And I ran down to the kitchen to grab a bowl of hot chili for her as they were taking a load off. And while I was gone, they made a pretty big decision. When I returned with chili in hand and a bag of cheese, Mary asked if I would consider marrying them. Right there, in that moment, that night. I had just met them. Just met them. And I am a good Presbyterian pastor, and I knew they had their marriage license with them. They showed it to me when they asked. But I really believe in premarital counseling, I really believe in spending those sessions together to get to know them and to build a service that reflects them. But they just really wanted to get married. They were going to have a service after Christmas that was going to be conducted by one of their friends who got ordained online. But in that space, in that time, they just felt like it was right. So would I please please consider marrying them. Now, y'all, it is Christmas Eve. This woman is incredibly pregnant. Mary is incredibly pregnant. I could not look at them and say, there is no room for you at the end. I could not ignore the parallels to the story we proclaimed that night and to this couple who came in seeking refuge and respite. For a couple who did not feel welcome at church, for a couple who did not feel like the good news was for them, 
I could not look at them and say, there's no room for you at the inn. So I called everyone up from the kitchen. We handed Mary a small poinsettia as her bouquet. And my former colleagues and our deacons stood with Mary and John as I asked them if they would love and cherish each other each and every night from that day forward. On Christmas Eve, that gathered community stood. They stood with an incredibly pregnant woman and her husband in Fairmount Chapel and in new ways reflected the love of God in their lives. Together, on that night, they embodied church. They embodied the good news of the birth of Jesus for a couple who needed to feel the love of God in that moment. And you know what? I think that is how it all started all these years ago. A baby was born. A holy child came into the world reflecting God's love so powerfully that the radiance continues to manifest throughout the generations in our lives each and every day. This was not a normal birth. Mary was not at home eating as much spicy food as she could to help induce labor. Poor Mary, nine months pregnant, had to schlep across the countryside with Joseph at her side, not to enjoy time with family, but to participate in the first census so that they could be taxed by the Roman Empire. And when this baby was born, the good news could not be confined to a manger. The good news could not be confined to a random inn in the backwater town of Bethlehem. This good news was so powerful that an angel of the Lord appeared to shepherds out in the field, saying, To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. That angel made this announcement and was immediately joined by the heavenly host. I read lots and lots about these passages through the years. And the heavenly host was this idea that was supposed to be confined to the temple, to the holy of holies in the temple. When you went, you experienced the fullness, the presence of God in ways that are unimaginable, but confined to a place in Jerusalem, in the temple. But here it was, out in the fields for shepherds, a display that was supposed to be for only those who deserved it. It was as if the intensity and magnitude of the reflected glory of God could no longer be confined or contained in one particular place, but was now alive and loose in the countryside, in the hearts and minds of people everywhere. In the Gospel of Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, these wise men, these outsiders, these foreigners, these pagans, are the very first ones to recognize the Christ child. It wasn't the Jewish inhabitants of Bethlehem, 
It was a group of strange travelers from foreign lands who recognized God's love reflected across the night sky and followed it to pay homage to Jesus. In doing so, Matthew says that from the beginning, this baby, this Messiah, this gift from God is not only for the Jews, but for the whole world. He wasn't only for those who knew the prophecies of old. He wasn't only for those who were looking for him, who could recognize him. He was for those who were new to recognize him. He wasn't only for those considered acceptable, but for people everywhere, even us, with our purple hair, our tattoos, all of our perfections and flaws. Even for us, this Christ child came into the world to reflect the love of God that dwells so deep in God's very heart. We, too, are wise men. We often feel like awkward outsiders who journey through life in search of Christ in the world. The good news of this night is that Christ is born anew in our hearts. We have encountered the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And we are now called to be bearers of the light, to reflect its glory throughout the world, so that Mary and John, Mary and Joseph, or whoever we encounter each and every day, know that they too are beloved in the eyes of God. So that you know deep within your soul that you are blessed and claimed and called by God to reflect the heart of God in all you do. Friends, let us joyfully reflect God's love out into the world to live and dance as transformed people so that no one, no one else will feel like Mary and John that night eight years ago. So that everyone will come and find their place at the manger and know that they can too follow the star and reflect its radiance in all they do. Amen.